Sidewalk Audio and PatioBooks.com presents The Prince of Hazel and Oak, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Book two of the Shadow Magic series. Read by the author. Chapter 15 The Broken Bow Brendan went down from the force of the impact as the knife bounced off his back. The blade, thank the gods, was still in its sheath. I jumped recklessly towards the edge of the cliff trying to catch it before it went over, but the knife spun off into the void. The weight of the bags on my back meant that I almost followed it. I slithered back from the edge and went to Brendan, who groaned, Son of a... Are you okay? What the hell hit me? I didn't feel like explaining. I just wanted to get out of there, so I said, One of those brownies must have thrown something. Well, it hurt. Would I be overreacting if I shot one with an arrow? Yes. Even if it was just in the leg? Yes. Come on, we have to get out of here. I tried to help him to his feet with the four packs on my back, but there wasn't much I could do. We skirted around the corner and found a raft waiting for us, with Spidog still out cold on his shoulder. Even though the ice sheet that had almost killed us earlier was mostly not there anymore, a raft suggested we rope up, and I agreed with him. As the snow started to come down harder and the wind picked up, I fantasized about starting a real-world land smuggling operation. The first thing I would import was thermal underwear. We made it all the way around the mountain, I called a halt just before we came to the part of the path where we could be seen by the U-House from above. Araf didn't argue with me. I was exhausted walking with packs, and Araf must have been shattered carrying a man on his shoulder. I got a fire going with some kindling I found in Spidog's bag, brewed up some willow tea, and got some into the injured archer. It did the trick. Where is my bow? Take it easy, Spidog. Don't try to talk. The old guy grabbed my shoulder and opened his eyes. My bow. Where is it? Rest, I said. Tell him, Brendan said. You tell him. I was out cold. If you know what happened to his bow, then tell him. My bow, Spidog said, trying to get to his feet. I must go back for it. Whoa, big guy, you're in no fit shape to go anywhere. Your bow's gone. The oracle trashed it. What do you mean, trashed it? You mean he took it? No, sir. It's trashed, destroyed. He waved his hand and it exploded into splinters. That is not possible, he said, grabbing me by the coat. You lie. Araf reached over and gently took his hand from my lapel. It is true, Master. I saw it with my own eyes. This fell from your clothing when I first put you down. Araf handed him a splintered piece of yew wood. He took it and then began to cry. It is true, he moaned. I am not worthy. It was so hard to watch a man so strong look so defeated. I rummaged through the bags until I found a flask of pachin that my mother had given me before we left and administered some to the unresisting archer. 
Brendan held him until he slipped back into unconsciousness. Araf and I debated how long we should rest. I thought it would be a good idea to wait until dark before we entered the part of the path that exposed us to attack from the U-House above. But Araf thought we should get going before the snow got so bad that we all slipped off the side of the mountain. I agreed with him when I realized I could no longer feel my toes. I figured it wouldn't take much to take us out, and if it came, I didn't really want to see it coming. Despite our fears, we passed unmolested. We donned crampons when we reached the ice ford that we had crossed earlier. The snow on the other side was starting to drift, so we kept our crampons on, but there wasn't enough snow for that. Crampons are great on ice and pack snow, but on solid rock they just make your footing worse. Saying that, when we took them off, we slipped all over the place. After Brendan went down and almost slipped off the side, we put a single crampon on one foot. We marched through the night, limping like the winning team at a shin-kicking competition. Three-quarters of the way down the mountain, the snow turned to rain. Wool and rain are not a good mix. It made me feel sorry for sheep. We found a wide and almost sheltered part of the path and camped for what remained of the night. The tea and stale rations did nothing to lift our mood. I had a feeling that only a hot bath and a dry change of clothes could do that for me. I'm not sure anything would help Spidog recover. Spidog mumbled in his sleep at first, but then, like the rest of us, settled down until awakened by a damp dawn. Brendan shook me awake from what was becoming a recurring dream of Essa holding hands with an invisible man. What did that dream mean? Was the invisible man supposed to be me? The fog was so bad that dawn was almost unnoticeable. The view seemed as if we were looking into a white sheet. It was damp, cold, and the squelching noise my trousers made as I got up cemented my misery. Spidog was up and on his feet. He walked like a man in a trance. Without a word, he began to break camp, so we followed suit and let him lead us down the mountain. Has he said anything? I whispered to Brendan. Not a word, he replied behind his hand. He just got up and got going. Are you going to say anything to him? I'm not going to talk to him. You talk to him. I'm not going to talk to him. We both looked to a wrath. I don't say anything to anybody, the imp mumbled. I'm not starting now. We followed the silent archer down the mountain. For a guy who had just been pulverized by an evil warlock, he set a pretty crisp pace. You would think that going downhill would be easier than uphill, and you would be right, but not by as much as you would think. My calf muscles screamed with the effort it took to stop me from becoming a runaway teen. It was nightfall by the time we reached the base of the mountain. I suggested to Spidog that he should get some rest, but he looked at me like I had just stomped on his puppy and disappeared into the forest. By the time he had returned with wood and a rabbit, Araf had the beginnings of a fire going. Brendan and I put up a very flimsy lean-to to keep off the rain. Together we ate in silence, none of us daring to speak for fear of being killed by the archer's evil eye. When he finished eating and started to set up a bedroll, I bravely said, Thank you, Spidog. The meal was lovely. He didn't even acknowledge my presence. Brendan, Araf, and I sat around the fire staring at each other for a while each waiting for the other to speak, but none of us wanting to break the vow of silence that the old man seemed to have imposed on the group. 
We bedded down. Ah, there's nothing like sliding between two wet blankets in your wet clothes as rain leaks onto your head. Spidog seemed to be as broken as his bow. As the old song says, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And losing the courage and sureness of our leader was unnerving. Scary. I lay there and mixed all of my troubles together letting them roll down the mountain of my mind like a giant snowball. I was cold and wet. My father was dying, and this trip was a complete failure. And then there was Essa. I had been trying to avoid thinking about her. I had been trying to cover over my hurt with bravado, but hurt it was. She didn't wait for me. She didn't wait for me. Why would she? replied a raff who was lying next to me. What? You are talking about Essa, yes? I'm sorry, Raph. I didn't realize I was speaking aloud. Oh, dear. That is not a good sign. Do you know him? I asked. Who? The banshee she's marrying. Of course. The imp replied. He is the Turlo. Is he a good guy? What is good guy, Connor? You're speaking in a real-world tongue, also not a good sign. I'm sorry, I said. Is he a good man? The few dealings I have had with him have been favorable. Many like him. Some do not, but that is the price you pay when you are a leader. Everybody likes you, Araf, I said as I playfully kicked him in the back. Ah, well, he said. I am special. No matter how tired I was, I had to laugh at that. Araf cracks so few jokes that ignoring one would be a crime. Well, I don't like him. And why do you think that is? inquired Araf. Could it be you don't like him because Essa does? No. That's not why. Well, it's not entirely why. I don't like the way he talks to her. It makes me want to throw up. And he called me a fairy. What is wrong with that? Well, how would you like it if he called you a fairy? I would think it strange, considering I am an imp. But why would you object? Are you calling me a fairy? Why wouldn't I? Araf said, sounding a bit confused. "'Cause I'm not a fairy.' "'Yes, you are, Connor. Surely you know that. "'I am an imp, Turlo is a banshee, and you, Jared, and Spidog are fairies.' "'No.' "'Yes.' "'Well, that's just great. "'A perfect ending to a perfect day.' "'I dropped my head onto a soggy pillow and thought, "'Well, at least I couldn't get any lower.' Then I had another thought. Araf, I called out into the damp dark. Would I be correct in assuming that I am the prince of all the fairies? Of course. Great, I said as my head sloshed on my pillow. Just great. Acorn woke me with a headbutt and a snort just before dawn. 
The previous night I had asked Araf where the horses were, and he said, They will be here. He was so casual about it I believed him, and sure enough, there they were. I got up. There's no point in staying in bed when it's cold and damp. Spidog was up too. He had rekindled the fire and was going through the packs. I am only taking the bare necessities, he said without greeting me. You three will have plenty of supplies for the rest of the journey. What do you mean, you three? I must face the ewes, Spidog said. You are leaving us? I said loud enough to disturb the others. He ignored me and continued to pack. How will we get back? Travel that way, he said, pointing, and stop when you see oak trees. Brendan came up and crouched down next to Spidog. Master, he said, I'll go with you. No, he said in a tone that made it clear that this was not up for discussion. Still, Brendan persisted. You can't go alone. I said no, the old man shouted, then calmed himself. Your party needs an archer. Brenton stood and chuckled. Who, these two? Araf and Connor will be fine on their own. You're the one I'm worried about. You're still weak from your fight. I can help you. Spidog turned and with the speed of a striking snake grabbed the policeman by his coat. He had a mad look in his eyes. I am going to face the ewes. Do you not understand? I am going to be judged. I'm going to be judged again. I am going to have to tell the ewes I lost my bow. They are... they are going to kill me. He let go of Brendan and turned his back on all of us, his head bowed. Do not go, Araf said. That would be like asking you not to dig in the ground, imp. I am an archer. I am Spidog the archer. To be without a bow would be like a bear without claws. He picked up his pack and set off without looking back. I ran in front of him. Wait a second, you can't go to the U-lands unarmed. I reached into my sock and presented him with my knife. He stared at it and said, Do you really think Dahi would want me to have his knife? I know he would. As he took it, Brendan shouted, Master Spidog. With a sigh, he turned. Brendan was standing at attention. You, sir, are the most worthy man I have ever met. Let no man or tree tell you otherwise. And then he saluted. Spidog stood stock still like he had been slapped, then nodded and turned. As we watched, he faded into the morning mist. When at last he disappeared, I said, Anybody know the way home? You have been listening to The Prince of Hazel and Oak, a podcast novel by John Lenahan. Music gratefully provided by Lunasa. You can hear more of their fabulous music at www.lunasa.ie. That's L-U-N-A-S-A dot I-E. You can learn more about Shadow Magic and its author on www.shadowmagic.co.uk. Thank you so much for listening.
Shadow Magic, book one of this series is available from HarperCollins in paperback, EPUB, and Kindle formats.